Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. Well, actually, every musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the board and are, well, Broadway's backbone. Welcome to episode 13. Our special guest is Angie Schwer. Welcome, Angie Schwer, to Broadway's Backbone. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I love sitting in the St. James. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to start by reading your uh, Broadway credits, and you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. All right. All right. Will Rogers Follies, Crazy For You, Sunset Boulevard, Andy Get Your Gun, The Producers, Young Frankenstein, Catch Me If You Can, Big Fish, and currently you're in Something Rotten. Yep. And you missed Chicago in there, too. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I only did it, I did the first national, and then I did Chicago for a few months as a replacement here. Oh. Played Mona, yeah. Well, um, which theater were you in? Uh, it was when it was at the Schubert. Oh, it was at the Schubert. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So it was a long time ago. Well, uh, how'd you get started, and where are you from? I'm from Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, originally. Um, I basically just danced my whole life, and a little studio in Covington, Kentucky, once a week, half hour of tap, half hour of jazz, half hour of ballet, until I went to high school, and then I started teaching. But it was all about dance for me, and it wasn't, and like I said, it, it wasn't like nowadays kids are four and five hours a day, three days a week. I wasn't that. I just got a little bit of, and I also took acro, so I got a little bit of mm -hmm. everything. And then when I went to college, I, people said, oh, well, you have to learn how to sing and act, and nobody taught me that when I was young, so... I did a little bit of that at Northern Kentucky University, a small college near me, and got my BFA. And um, then I went down to Disney and started working down there. I was a showgirl in Atlantic City for a little while. I was a showgirl in Japan for a little while. I went back to Disney to open up MGM Studios. And from that group of people, I got um, asked to come up here and audition for the Will Rogers Follies. And... Um, one of the prerequisites was being over 5'8", so I had that beat. <laughs> and um, I did. I flew up. I auditioned on the Nederlander stage where uh, I, I um, what's there now? Uh, Amazing Grace oh, is there yes. now. They had that stage set up. They were doing a workshop in the theater. Back then you did a workshop in the theater. So they had the stage set up to do, and on the dinner break, I auditioned in front of the cast was all like sitting in the... It was crazy. I, I guess I was 25. Um, and uh, it's so funny because I just wasn't even, I didn't flinch. You know, I didn't, there wasn't really a nerve. There was, because I think I just didn't, you didn't know. I didn't know. So I auditioned for Cy Coleman. Oh, wow. Sang his song on the other side of the tracks. He actually told me, you know, that's my song. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't really know. <laughs> I did a little combination with Patty to Peck. I had to do some jump kicks, and I back then I could kick my face. Uh, and I went back to Disney, did my five shows a day, and then about two weeks later they called me and offered me the job. So I gave them a two weeks notice at Disney, and I flew up here February eighth of nineteen ninety one to to start. We actually rehearsed in the Nederland Nederlander. Oh wow! Before we moved to the palace. So I actually like did my first Broadway show, like rehearsed it in a Broadway theater. Like you don't really do that anymore. No, never. It was pretty cool. But I, like I said, still I just was like wide-eyed, and I had no idea what I got myself into. It was also a cast of twelve very beautiful women, 
and I was a, I was a swing. So that was a little intimidating because they all, I saw Katie Huffman on point shoes at one point and she looked like she was 10 feet tall. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what did I get myself into? And they all looked like a bunch of supermodels and I didn't. I oh, yes, you did. very didn't. curvy. I really, yeah, it was funny. I got a weight notice in Will Rogers Follies. You yes, did? Yes, I did. Because here's what happened. I was working at Disney five shows a day, every day, right? I didn't worry about what I ate or what I did. Now I'm a swing and going out with people after the show, and they're all eating because they just did a show. Oh, right, yeah. And I'm having chicken wings and vodka pineapple juice. and <laughs> So I got a weight notice. And, and once again, I just, I... I I never, it never made me depressed. I just was like, okay, and now we got to fix this. So I just ate more salads, and I cut out the pineapple juice and drank <laughs> vodka soda, which is what I drink to this day. Clear liquids. Clear liquids. Also in that show, Jerry Mitchell said to me, Angie, you got a beautiful body, but you need to get your hips down a little bit. And if anyone else said that to me, I'd probably be like, oh, my God, I'm so depressed. But I just was like, you're right. So I started getting on the tread, uh, the elliptical 45 minutes a day. Um, it was just literally, I, I was not a gym worker outer person. Right. I just did five shows a week every day down at Disney in 100 degree weather. So I was naturally thin. And then I came here and it was in the dead of winter. <laughs> and I was sitting backstage. Yeah. So anyway, that's one of my good stories from Will Rogers. Wait notice. And how was it being a swing? Did it mess with you not being on stage any? I, I always would prefer to perform, but I feel like it really um, helped sort of set who I am today. Not only are, am I still great friends with Jerry Mitchell and the four other, well, one of them, Jason Opsahl's passed, but John Ganon and Troy Johnson, their dressing room was by mine. I was up on the fifth floor at the palace. So I got to know them, and I got to create this great relationship with Jerry, who's still to this day my good friend. And I feel like I learned a lot more by just jumping in and swinging 12, you know, learning 12 tracks on stairs, on a Broadway stage. Mm -hmm. And I also learned that, see, I was a swing at Disney, but I was also the dance captain. So you can put yourself in the show if you want. I could do five shows a day or I could do three. I could do whatever I wanted. So it was a little bit more prestigious, I think, in a way. And I didn't, I didn't realize that. Oh, not not really prestigious because I know they're the most important thing. Oh, right. But you you didn't get to perform if you didn't. It, you know what I mean? I couldn't just perform because someone was coming to visit. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. And that was a little harder for me to understand because, you know, people want to come see you in the show and you're like, well, I'm not on. Then about six months into it when people started taking vacation, I'd plan it. You oh, know, okay. I'd plan for people to see it. But that was hard for me. But I stayed in it for two and a half years. Oh, that's amazing. Because I learned the city. I just you know, learned, got my feet wet and figured out what to do and tried to get an agent and all that stuff, so. And was your next show crazy for you? Yeah, and um, that was when I met Susan Stroman, and she's obviously, uh, I've done a lot of my years. Yes. A lot of my 25 years, I think about 12 of them are in her shows, were in her shows. Um, And I remember Hughes Moss, Julie Moss from that casting director, leaned over to her and said, she's a swing. Because I was in Will, Rod- oh. in Will Rogers, and there were the same casting people back then. But she didn't have me be a swing. I was the tallest girl at the audition, and then, like, she got everybody to sort of... That's when she started going really tall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe it's your fault she goes tall. Yeah, I don't know. Well, she, they already had the Broadway. They already had the Broadway, you know, stencil of women. Right. Tall. 
Ida and all those gals who were really tall. But that's when I started my relationship with her, just on audition. Uh, and someone gave me the name of Chris Peterson, and he oh, okay. they, they he looked out for me. So that's why I always sort of pay it forward if I can to people when they I know they're going, and I know some someone who's auditioning them. I'll say, look out for my friend so and so because someone did that for me. Oh, that's fantastic! And I'm sure it didn't hurt. In you know what I mean? In, in people looking looking at you like, oh, she was recommended by someone in the Broadway company. Oh, all right. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. So I always sort of try to do that if I can help somebody. Absolutely. As I say, pay it forward. And was it odd being a, um, after being an original cast of Will Rogers, even though you were swinging, you were a replacement in Crazy for you? Uh, I did the first national. You did the first national. Oh, okay. For a year. Then I came in and replaced in the Broadway company um, after a year. I stayed out for a year, and then they were going to Berlin or something. I, I don't know why I didn't go. I, like, I don't remember now. Um, I don't know that I was even in a relationship. I just was like, I did it for a year. And then I knew someone was leaving. That's what it was. And I, you know what I think I did? I think I wrote a handwritten letter to Susan Stroman and said I'd love to replace Penny because she was part of my track, and she understudied Patsy. Oh, okay. And she did. She gave it to me. I think I wrote a handwritten letter. Oh, I write handwritten letters all the time. Well, you don't anymore. I do. I have one in my, my bag to send to Casey today. You do? I do. I love oh. handwritten letters. It has a, uh, I don't know, there's something special about it. But there's sort too. of nothing immediate about it when it was a replacement that was, like, happening. But That's I did. true. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. But that was probably 93, maybe, 94. And, um, and then she did. She put me in it. And how long did you stay with that show? Two... Well, I did it till the, it ended. I closed it. Oh, then I saw I, you then. So maybe a year and a half. Oh, okay. I, ca- I kind of can't remember dates. I saw it two months before close. I That's just when I moved here. Oh, great. Then you probably did see me. Yes. I did. I closed it. Great show. One of my faves. Oh, it's fantastic. Faves to do. Did you ever do it anywhere? I haven't yet. Not yet. But And then next was uh, Sunset Boulevard. So now you've like uh, solidified your career as a showgirl. Have you, did your, the weight issues come back to you? I mean, how is body image for uh, being a woman? I don't know. I look at crazy for you pictures when I was on the road, depending on what city we were in. Sometime I was like, ooh, you look a little round. Like in New Orleans, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I was, just looked a little. And you, you're, there's ups and downs. I mean, look. Is a, I've, I've been in this for 25 years now, and like I feel like my body feels about as the best it has, and I'm older. I don't know why, right. but I just keep, you know, I take my physique, and I do my dance class when I can, and I think I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't care about eating right, or I wasn't, I don't know. Right. I just, so I think it always creeps in here and there, you know, you're never... Never thin enough for a showgirl. <laughs> I know, because men don't really ha- have that issue. They get older and they get bald and portly, I know. And, and they get to work and more. And in Crazy for You, I used to go like, look at the men. They come in and they put their chapstick on. And they're like, I'm bad matcha. <laughs> and the girls are like, you know, the wig and the lipstick and the thing and the makeup and the lashes and the dresses and the cinching and the corsets and the thing. And you guys get overalls and chapstick. Not fair. Not fair. Not fair um, at all. But yeah, I mean, I, I you always you're always thinking about it and always trying to keep it together. But that's that's what may, keeps the longevity of it, I think, and that's kind of what I've been able to maintain. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it ever really got me down. I just went like, you you need to reel it in, okay? Uh-huh. More salads, you know what I mean? Not don't eat after the show or don't, you know what I mean? 
Plus, eight shows a week. When you do eight shows a week, yeah. for me, that's a, that's the thing that's that's built in physical fitness. It's a built-in diet right there. So especially this show, Casey show. <laughs> <laughs> well, how is your body when it comes to injuries? Because I know I've been out with you sometimes, and you're icing your ankle, and you're icing this. Um, I did. I don't have anything major that I've done. Knock on wood. Um, but yeah, there's always little aches and tweaks and things. Sometimes I, I, like, roll over on, if I'm wearing a wedge, a sensible wedge on the street, I roll over my ankle, <laughs> you know. Um, but for the most part, you just have to, they have PT and stuff, and you just got to keep it. Um, I used to swim a lot. I, ha- I haven't since I moved back to, into the city because I had a pool out in Chatham. Um, but I used to swim a lot, which is actually really good in keeping your muscles lengthened but low impact. Um, but now I take physique. For, the, for my strength, and I do a couple dance classes a week for uh, just sort of evening out what I do eight shows a week. Oh, all know? right. And so I seem to just sort of keep a nice, you know, does, do I get up a little slower <laughs> here and there? <laughs> yes, but when, once it gets going, it gets going. And you just kind of keep it, you know, maintain with the PT and stuff, um, especially for things that you do over and over. Right. So how was Sunset Boulevard for you? One of my favorite shows to do. Um, because of the cast, they were all, they were all just sort of, they had been doing the show, they all had either, maybe not families, but they had their lives were just sort of set, and they, it wasn't all about the business all the time. Right. You know, it was like Dale Hensley, John Shearer, um, and I loved it, and late Darlene Wilson taught me the show. Oh. Who is a love, who was a love, 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 and never, we were in the room alone, she made you feel like you were the greatest at whatever you were doing, dancing, singing a line, or whatever. She was so positive. And then the only thing is, you know, we, what we, we laugh about when you do um, the put-ins, when you're the only one that has to wear the costume. Yes. That is the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. You know, you got the wig and the makeup and the thing, and everybody's in their sweatpants, and yep. I'm dressed up like a showgirl. But um, that, that one I remember more than, even though I did the same thing in Young Frankenstein, I remember that one more just because I think it was... It's actually a fun, it was a fun time, and I, I loved doing that show because I got to play all these fun uh, movie stars, like Hedy Lamarr. Oh, and, right. Um, who was the other one? Who's the other one in the diner set? Blonde. I had to wear, like, these hip pads because she's supposed to be really curvy. Jane Mansfield? Maybe Jane Mansfield. I don't, is it Jane Mansfield? Maybe. I'll think of it. But anyway, you got to dress up and like these fun movie star characters. It was just a really fun show to do. Oh, that's great. Um, and how long did you do that show? I think a year and a half. I left about three months before it closed to do the first National of Chicago. Oh, all right. Um, so I think it, it, I don't remember when it closed, but I left it was about three months shy of when it was closed. Elaine Page had just come in. Oh, all right. So, yeah, that was a joyful, I liked doing that show. It was fun. And then that goes right into, you went right into Chicago. And I so, went on the tour. And do you like touring? Um, I do, because at, back then it was the, you know, you could sock away the money. So right. that was great. Um, and then I did enjoy it because I, I had traveled, I had done a year with Crazy For You, so I had already been to some of these cities. And then you go back and it's sort of, it's sort of fun. But um, I also got married on that tour to Jason. Oh, okay. So, so we did it together for a year, and I had already done it for a year and a half or something. So that was a long time. But we got to set some money aside, and then 
I left, I don't think to do anything. I just think we just left to come home. And then later on, I did a few months uh, as Mona as a replacement for a minute. Oh. That was that was it for my Chicago. But it was two and a half years on the road. No, that's a lot, long time. A long time. And so when you talk about Jerry Mitchell in uh, Will Rogers Follies, you also assisted him on Rocky Horror. Yes. And I know, I mean, your relationship with him, you've assisted him and you're friends with him. How has that developed as his, like... Well, it's funny because he took me out to lunch one day and he asked me to be his assistant and it sort of came out of left field. And I just, he was like, I've been waiting for you that a time that you're not doing anything. <laughs> You know, you don't have a show. And he said, would you do this? And I was like, yeah. Um, I'd like to do it again now. I had never told him this because I think I'd be better. Mm. But also now you have the better technology of you, people. They let you video stuff. You know, you've got the stage right um, iPad thing. Oh, for, right. And I did it all like books like hand done for Mark Price, I think was the dance captain. And I sort of passed it over to him. I think I'd be better, but there was moments where they're like sitting in the chairs for the da 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 damn it, Janet, you know that thing, and he wasn't there one day, and um, the director was like, and you know, uh, can you, and so I just, I came up with something, I don't, I think ultimately the back, like kind of what I, the basis of what I did stayed in with a few more things, but I just did it, I I just did it. Like, I choreographed a little something. I mean, they're just sitting in the seats, but he said, well, at least you did it. Like, you just choreographed something, and I think it kind of stayed in. But I think I would just be better at it now. Mm. Um, but he never asked me again. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that tell you? <laughs> Clearly, he doesn't want me to. <laughs> um, yeah, but then I think what was after that? I did Annie Get Your Gun right after that? Uh, I think you did Annie Get Your Gun. Well, you and that was me. a replacement. Yeah, and that was a replacement with and Patty DeBeck. And I auditioned for that. That wasn't an offers only. That was that I auditioned. You did. And Patty DeBeck then hired me for who? Jenny Lynn. Right. I think I had to wear costumes for that put in. You were probably there in I your was, sweats. I, I was there in my sweats. Um, <laughs> but it was funny because I remember we partnered um, and... You, I mean, you said you're taller than 5'8". I'm only 5'8". Yeah. So I remember you having to lift me, like, at one point. It was, <laughs> at, we were in the back in the dark, but I, that was always that funny. I, I um, probably in those heels. I don't remember what size heels. I was in, in wig, you know, sometimes I can be a good six-footer or more. <laughs> oh, no, it's fantastic. But that's when that people started calling you the mayor of Broadway, which I love. I never, you know, that's not me. That's Jerry McIntyre. That's not me. <laughs> But I don't know why they would call me that. I didn't know I really had that title. That was Jerry Mack. But, but I think so it's mad. everyone, I mean, you know a lot of people, and everyone likes you. You're one of those people that um, people you, people say your name, and you're like, oh, I love her. Even people, like, just have met you socially or... God, um, so. No, you do. You have a great reputation on and off stage. And so it's like, and you also, you know everyone. You can say, oh, when Mark Shaman came to see me, oh, and Jerry Mitchell, and you yeah. don't, you're not dropping names. You're talking about your friends. Right. So that's... So I think that you have a different way about you that's very fun and open. And I think that, you know, and Jerry Mack's not around anymore, so take the... the <laughs> he's off directing places. So he's no. off directing. Um, well, I don't know. I also feel like during the producers, which was, was that right after Annie Get Your Gun, I think? Yes. I think that, that became, a, because of the nature of that show and the big hit that it was and... I don't know, it was literally like just an old-time Broadway musical that, like, became this big hit, and we were in it, you know what I mean? Like, it felt, it felt, and then, like, back then, Mel Brooks would go out, and 
you know, Matthew and Nathan, we'd all hang out at the Brasserie, which is right. now Angus, and Mel sitting there with Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft in these booths. You know, it felt so like old Hollywood, you know, Broadway time, you know? And I think that's probably when I was more socially got to know people right. or would see people. I don't do that much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when uh, you got the producers, uh, we had a conversation that you said, I got the producers, I'm going to stay in it until it's over, and then I'm retiring. Um, and I just think it's funny because uh, that completely didn't happen. Do you remember that? Like, I don't remember telling you that, but you, I love that you know that story. I could see myself saying it because you always, I mean, look, how many times did, do you think you go into a show, you go, this is going to be my last one? I did the same thing for Big Fish. I did the same thing for Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> I was like, this is probably going to be my, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anybody's going to hire me. This will be the last one. And then ultimately something comes along that you're, that you fit, that you're the right fit, you know, right. or, and you have someone like a Casey Nicola who, uh, you know, I, I just, I love riding on his coattails. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's offered me these fun projects. And so I don't know. I, I think now, um, I, I, this, I just read this article in Time Out at Sarah Silverman, who I really like, and she said, you know, to live in the past is depression. To live in the future is anxiety. So I'm just not, I'm not putting any more stamps on, you know. I think sometimes I would do that as a throwaway. Right. You know, almost like a self-deprecating thing, and I don't really need to do that because I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to be this right now. You know what I mean? And especially, Absolutely. I think when you're younger, too, there's more of that angst about it, and um, I, I kind of feel like I don't know what the other thing I would do, but if, I feel like if it was my last thing, I had a pretty damn good run. <laughs> you know, oh, of, absolutely, of yes. So I think I'm just going to not say that anymore. I'm not going to be anxious about the future or say I'm going to retire. Um, but just, yeah, I'm just sitting in it and saying yes. and people Say yes. Yeah. And like you said, I think part of part of the reason I work is 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 because of my work ethic, and I do pretty much get, try to get along with everybody and try to keep my mouth shut when I need to. Maybe that hasn't always been the case, <laughs> but I but I feel like I do, and I I love what I do so much, and I think that the the most fun about this show, something rotten, is it's a cast full of those people. And like you were when when I worked with you and Annie Get Your Gun, how much we would laugh. Oh, absolutely. On stage, obviously not to ruin the show, but off stage and the joy and and it's filled with those kind of people and you see it every night. And someone uh, recently said, um, everyone looks like they like each other so much. And I feel like there's just, when you get a group like that, and e even I felt that with the people at Annie Get Your Gun. I mean, you guys were original, I wasn't. But I felt like, and Patrick Wetzel was with yes. us. Yes. felt like there was just a joy about it. We loved what we did, you know, um, and I feel like so lucky that we get to do that. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm going to say I'm going to retire anymore. Although it might be bad luck for me now because it's been good luck until now. <laughs> uh, uh, well, did you realize that Producers was going to be like a, the juggernaut that it was? And I had no idea. It kind of came out of left field because I know Katie and the, some people had done, obviously, readings of it. But there was no workshop that I did. You know, there was none of that. They must have done pre-pro. But there was this big audition, and I got into the invited call, and there was, like, six women chosen and two swings from, like, I think we had to do a callback for that. 
and I had to um, I had to learn the Ula sides, and I tried to learn Swedish really quick and um, for the callback. But it was actually just like a bam, bam, bam. It wasn't like you know this whole process like yes. I went through with Mark and Scotty of getting to watch them write all these glorious songs for Catch Me If You Can and get to be a part of all this for seven years. I didn't know where this came from. So that, you know, it was a, just a different idea of, okay, this is happening, and I, don't, I didn't know it was going to run for six years. Oh, that's um, amazing. Was it 2000? Yeah, six years. So I didn't, I had no idea. I knew it was great. And oh, I knew absolutely. It was fun, and I knew it was right up my alley because you know I got to play Hazel, the wardrobe mistress, like a crotchety old person with a cigarette, and then be a showgirl, and you know, springtime for Hitler, and all that. So it's definitely a joyful, joyful, great time in my life. And so you had a path to Ula that um, someone I heard said something about the key of the song not being right yeah. for you, and then that kind of changed. Who told you that story, too? Not I, me. I don't I, think. I don't think it was you, but someone was telling me that it happened in a stairwell or something like that, that someone uh, overheard you. Oh, you could tell. I don't, you tell me the real facts of it. I think I was on stage. I think it was an understudy rehearsal. Basically, what Katie, her key was just too high for me. I could do it kind of. I mean, she's trained as an opera singer, and she's just, her voice is crazy. Um but I could do it kind of standing still. Still didn't sound great. Um, but I knew um, I'd worked with the dialect coach, and I had worked on making you know my my ula, all my all my little ula isms, and changed them a little bit, making them my own. And I knew I could dance it. So I they told me I would never go on. So I just said to Patrick, I said I know. I, and I can't believe I said this because, <laughs> but it, it's just a part that when you're a tall blonde, yes, when you're you know five eleven, and I was the right age at the time, it was like, and I knew I could dance it. Why? And I just said, I know that I'm funny, and I said, I know that I can dance it. I said, so why why can't you help me get my own key? And he did, and it was a half step lower, and it made all the difference in my voice. And I mean never as never clearly never sounded half as good as Katie but um it was good for me and it was so it was a half step lower and thank god he did it because all the orchestra had it thank god and there was a time when the swing was I mean sorry the first cover was on vacation and Katie lost her voice it was February 14th um I'm guessing 2002 Two, like a year <laughs> yeah. after it had been open. Yeah. I hadn't gone on. Yeah. And, um, but it was, I know it was Valentine's Day. And um, I came, it was on a Wednesday, two-show day. I had to go down and do a William Ivy Long fashion show. They told me I was going on. I come back up here. I got delivered in a William Ivy Long car. I remember seeing the marquee. It was like, you know, it was dark. Yeah. I rehearsed with Matthew. I, I wore Katie's costumes. I think I, they made me the white. Lycra, everything else I wore was, was of hers because I didn't, I was never going to yeah. go on. Yeah. And um, I just remember, I've told this story at 54 Below when they were doing a thing on St. James, but I knocked on the door and I literally was like, oh. you know, you're just in it. After a few rehearsals, yeah. like here you are at the Bialystok and Bloom door. Yeah. So I knocked on it and I literally said to myself, you got to shin or get off the pot. Like, this is it. And I was, I was nervous and then Matthew and Nathan's face, they were just like so excited when I came through the door that 
like it sort of helped me calm down a little bit. And yeah. Nathan just took my hand and he was like, oh, Ula, what do you do, Ula? And he wouldn't let my hand go. Like he could feel it kind of trembling. Oh. And he just held onto my hand and somehow I just, and I told him this story at his 50th birthday party. I was like, somehow I just went, I'm going to be okay. And, and I did it. And then I did it again and I did it again and I did it again. And then they asked me to do the first national. So. Which I think is amazing that you did the first national. I saw that I saw you in L.A., um, and it was the night that Hillary Clinton was there oh, and really? Leonardo DiCaprio was there. Oh, I didn't know all that. Uh, and then I just remember I, uh, I was so excited because I took my uh, my brother and sister, and we waited for you at the stage door. Was and we, I there? You were there. Oh, okay. No, we said hello. Oh, okay. I talked to you because um, Patrick had gotten me tickets. Um, and then um, Stroh was there that night, and you left it in a car with oh, Stroh. Oh, Patrick. Oh, yeah. yeah so and we were going to the, we went to, I know, we were going to the uh, Marmald or whatever was that called? Yes. Yeah. And then as soon as you left, my brother and sister were like, you know Ula? <laughs> it was so cool. I was, oh. I was like, because they knew I had friends in the show, but they, you, were, you were so wonderful. I was oh, so glad I got I to see that. I love that story. Yeah, so it, was a, it was a fun night. So you were fantastic. And then did You're you come? so nice. Oh, well, no, it's true. Did you come back to the Broadway company? I did. So those were two phone calls. The first national phone call, I literally hung up the phone from Stroh. I was on the sidewalk. I was getting ready to go to Phil Reno's apartment, like on that west side. I literally did a cartwheel. <laughs> I was like, I cannot believe she just called me. And then the phone call to come back to Broadway. I was at a wedding in Venice Beach. I had taken the shows off for the weekend for a wedding. And I was sitting by the pool, and she called me and said, what do you think about coming back to New York? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I had two more months in L.A., and um, I said, well, I'd love to finish out with Jason and Marty, but she said, we need you now. I was like, great. And she just told me to, you know, ask them for what I needed, which wasn't much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did. I came back and did it here for four years. For four years? Yeah. That's amazing. So I closed it. You closed it. Yeah. Like the... Who, who do I think I am? It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And then I, the next show I did with her, she just asked me to come in for Young Frankenstein for Amy Higgins because we're so similar. Yeah, so similar. Um, <laughs> and I didn't flinch. Yeah, that's what's so interesting. You were you starred, you were the uh, female lead of the biggest hit on Broadway, and then you go back into the ensemble. Um, and I, I wondered, because, you know, Young Frankenstein, she never asked me to do Young Frankenstein in the ensemble. I I'm too, was too old to be Inga and couldn't and can't sing that yodeling stuff anyway, but she never asked me to be in it at all, probably because, oh, you might not be, want to be in the ensemble. Like, she never asked me. Right. And they, were, they weren't happening simultaneously, I think. Simultaneously, I think I could have done it. But she asked me, and I, um, I was like, absolutely. And then I ended up staying on for another girl. Um, in between going to do with the producers at the Muni that I had already signed up for. Oh, all right. And they, we, they made it work out that I could learn the other track, and I came back, and I, then I did another person. And I stayed for, I don't even remember, nine months, because it was only supposed to be three months. Oh, right. So I just moved up over into another part. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I think I'm just a gypsy at heart, and I never, I never needed or wanted to be a star, and I know that's probably unambitious. No, not at all. But, or maybe it's just my way of um, feeling like I didn't fail or something. It's just, I just like the work. I, I love this part right now. I love doing the show, living my life however I want to with, 
you know what I mean, during the day while maintaining what I need to maintain right. to do the show. You yes. know how that is. Yes, absolutely. That takes up part of your day. Yes. Um, I love being, I get, I get paid to dress up and act like an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> In this show, we do, you know, we act absolutely. like crazy people. No, absolutely. Um, so I never, I didn't, I, I, I never felt bad. I never felt bad about it. And I think Mel Brooks did some press thing for the tour of Young Frankenstein. Mm. And Phil Reno was, happened to be there, and he said that Mel Brooks just said, he complimented that Ula came to save the, came to be in, in the Young Frankenstein ensemble or something. He said something about me. And I thought, I, I don't know. I guess people just, people worried about it more than I did. No, that's a good thing. And, but speaking of egos, was there an ego at um, Young Frankenstein just because it felt like it was the stepchild to the producers? I mean, how, was that a weird feeling? Because um, there's so much anticipation on it. I think, because I saw Young Frankenstein and I really liked it. Yeah. But I think that since producers was such a hit, they started coming after Stroh. Um, I, I, I wasn't around probably for, to, to feel any of that. Because the show had been running for a little while. I oh, okay. don't actually know how long. I can't remember when I did it. Um, I want to say our produce, the producers closed April 22nd of 2007, because that was the day before my birthday. And then I did it like the following February. Oh, okay. So it must have opened sometime in that time frame, and I don't know exactly how long. But there was none of that feeling once I was there. Oh, good. Um, I never really compared it. And it's funny because now being in the St. James, I passed the dressing room that used to be my Ula dressing room. And it's Brian Darcy James. And I never, it doesn't, I don't ever really get like a sinking feeling. It was just then and this is now, you know. I don't, so I don't, I don't think I ever felt like it was a stepchild or. Right. Well, you yeah. realize you're special when it comes to that because, I mean, I think most people would see as a step back and. To be like, oh, that used to be my star dressing room, and now I'm not. And the fact that you're, you're so in the moment is like you said that, and appreciating what you have. That's that. That alone is an example to me, but to I think anyone to realize that work is work. Yeah, and I'm trying to be. And Brian Darcy was so cute the first day we came here for the meet and greet, um, and I, I a lot of the Jujamson people know me from the producers, and they all said, "Welcome back, Brad Oscar and Angie." You know, it it wasn't like let's just welcome back Brad Oscar because he's a principal. Oh, you know right. what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And Brad Barr and Darcy was like, oh, I heard, I heard I'm in your dressing room. <laughs> and so I, I go in there every once in a while and tease him, and I go, oh, I love what you've done with my place. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just don't worry about it. I, it's just no time for that shit, you know? It's just no time. No, because I think we spend so much time in our head doing that that we psych ourselves up or out of, of things. Yeah. And I feel like anyone who's going to... Who anyone who's going to take the time to have their own version of that, like, well, you know, she used to be a principal, and now she's in the ensemble. You know what I mean? Good for I say good for me. Yeah, but I'm still I can fucking do it. Excuse Absolutely. me, I'm cussing a lot. Is no, that okay? That's okay. Yeah, no, you're um, still kicking to to the ceiling. No, but you know ceiling. what I mean. So I I look at it a whole different way. Yeah. I go, yeah, I can still make money and do what I love to do. Who gets to do their passion as their job? Right. That's that alone in itself is lucky. Absolutely. You know? And I, like I told you, I just keep saying yes. Keep I saying. just say yes. That's a Even good... to things I hate to do, like those 54 below. I mean, I love that venue, but I, I, I always go like, why do people want me to come there? You know what I mean? So I, and they're always a little scary thing for me because I like to play characters. It's hard for me to be myself. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Except 
I am going to be playing myself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. Uh, so you did the producer's movie. I did. Um, and then you were, uh, we, what, you were a showgirl in that? I did all my stuff I originated here. In King of Broadway, I was the wardrobe mistress, which that number got cut, but it's at the end of the movie. Mm. It's at the, on the DVD. I did um, the Beer Stein in Springtime for Hitler. Um, I was not a Pearl girl. I was not one of those girls. I was playing Ula at the time here. And then um, Stroh asked me if I would do some of Uma's stuff. So basically when you don't see her face, it's me. So you're the body double for yeah. it. That's great. Yeah. And was that was she cool? She was great. And then I also did some of her stuff in Smash. Oh, really? Yeah, that's not because she couldn't do it. It was because she was pregnant at the time. This was years ago. Ah. Um, so I've done it a couple times. So we're very similar in, in uh, stature. And so how much time did you work on Smash? I did a few weeks here and there. Um, I did one number with Norbert. I did Norbert Leo Butts. I mm. did one number with Sean Hayes. And then I did a bunch of days as Uma, or as her body double, as Marilyn Monroe, as Uma playing Marilyn Monroe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she was awesome. She was awesome. There was a moment where she comes out to sing happy birthday to the director, and they do the Marilyn sort of scurry to the microphone, and she sings it to the director like Marilyn sang it to JFK. And uh, she, I did my stuff first, and then she came out. She's like, oh, what did Ann, let me see, what, what did Ann she do? It was really cute. So she's just lovely. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she's awesome. So one theme that I've talked about a lot on the podcast are um, the heartbreak of flops. And you talked about Catch Me If You Can, which yeah. I saw that show closing night, and I loved it. And you st- the whole journey. How was that experience when you put your heart, your soul, your time to, for some reason, it not be well received? Well, it was really, really hard. And plus, Mark and Scott are friends of mine. And I just I thought that music was so out of this world and I think there, there's no not enough heartbreak to describe like for me it's it's about their heartbreak mm. you know what I mean and watching that um, because I didn't put I didn't do what they do I you know and I watched them like they just for seven years mm. and we did all these different renditions of it and I just it's it's my kind of show that 60s I love that era and I love that music, and I love all that. Uh, just to watch Mark Shaman like get into the, the the accents of his music and the passion that they have for it. So it was really, it was really kind of devastating because it never in a million years did I think that's how it would end up. And it just, you know, it's heartbreaking. Same sort of with Big Fish. I didn't put seven years into that by any. Right. And not to say that I put seven years into Catch Me If You Can. They did, obviously. And it was. Um, it was just hard. It was hard to, to watch them because as my friends and uh, people that I'm in awe of and people that I, that I look up to and people that I think are actually kind and famous and stars and, you know, um, it, was, it, was, it was sad. But I felt m- mostly for them because I, I think the music is like some of the best music I've ever heard, original music. In my, in my time, you know what I mean? In my 25 years of the Broadway stage. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I thought it was thrilling, and I saw them after the show on stage, and I think I only know them through you. Yeah. Um, and they were just, they looked they looked so sad, and they were like, it's shows going out non-union on the tour. I mean, and, you know, but, and I was like, just saw an amazing Broadway yeah. show, and it was so, it was just, it is a heartbreak, you know? Yeah. 
and it's you. Become, and you never know what it is. You never know if it's the timing. You never mm. know if it's was it not advertised or I. You never know what it is, and it's just it's just sad. You know, it's it's hard to just hit everything at that right time. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it it's it so was so up my alley, and I enjoyed getting to work with my f- friends and watching them be the stars that they are. Yeah. You know? And watching them change and work, you know, make it better. Like, I would think it was great. And then they'd do a little change and make it better, you know. And then Jerry with his stuff and his transitions. And they just, they were a great team to work with. Absolutely. Because they're not only people that I admire, but they're my my friends. And so I got to do the out-of-town in Seattle with my friend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. So. And then, so next it was uh, with Big Fish, which is another uh, sad disappointment. But the one thing that's exciting about these shows is that the creative process and being in the original cast, what is it for you when you get to like make a choice as an ensemble person and then that ends up being in the show? Yeah. And how is your contributions to shows like that in your life? Well, I think the, the way I've, the, the, the time that I've seen it the most is in the producers mm. because there's so many renditions of that. Plus, I've done some regional versions of it as Ula. And it's funny to you see, oh, that's my track. Oh, that's, right, yeah. That's the Hazel Wardrobe Mistress. That's what, you know. Um, so I think I've seen it more with that. But, you know, you, ha- you know how it is. They say go from here to there to there. All right. So you decide to do a little run and jump on the box and then up and down. And then, oh, can you do some front handspring walkouts? Oh, well, I'll start with cartwheels, but yeah, I'll get to my walkouts. <laughs> and then it became two front handspring walkouts. Right. So then whoever replaced me had to do those suckers. Mm. Um, you know how that is. Absolutely. So, yeah, and then someone's great. writing it down, you yeah. know. And then so then your track is born, you yep. know. Then you've got the Brad Bradley track that is that you you added a little jump passe right. and happy color or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I had one arm in... Um, and spam a lot that now everyone has one arm. And what was funny is that it was actually Christian Borrell's suggestion. Okay. So, like, I get credit. They're like, why'd you do that? I'm like, well, it was actually Christian Borrell that was like, you should have one arm, Brad. Um, so, but it is fun when you get to make choices right. like that. So do you give Christian the uh, credit? No. No, never. Of course not. Never. He's not smart. He's not, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not smart at that. that I think this was, because it's the most recent, too, um, I feel like, I did Minsky's with Casey, but this is only my second show I've done with Casey. Oh, okay. So I feel like for this, it was really sort of fun to be really creative because that, especially that opening number. Oh. It's a lot of everyone has to do their 60s groove. That was kind of my favorite. I've got like a favorite. bellows in my hand. Yeah. And so you just kind of came up with these groovy little things, and he just sort of lets people go, and oh, it's great. Oh, a- absolutely. All, all encompassed in what his vision is, of mm-hmm. course, but you go, he, he, he like kind of lets you go and then he says yeah yeah that's good get up on that I don't know why I got up on that go-go box (laughs) now (laughs) you know uh I gotta get up on it I do a little practice everyone knows I'm rain man I get a little like you know have to do the same thing over and over so I get a little practice up in my heels with my skirt with my bellows on the box before we do it but yeah this was a very joyful great room um to be in and I know you've been in his room before but I uh Oh, yeah. you just laugh all the time in good ways. Yeah. Yeah. But yet, you're there's so much respect and there's so much, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I almost want to say fear to disappoint. Oh, absolutely. That um, it's, there's, yeah, it's just great. So you got your gypsy robe for 
Big fish. Big fish. And how, was the, is that was that an amazing experience? Well, I I said after we got it, I said it took me nine years and I'm sorry, twenty two years and nine shows to get this, um, and three or three of them were Stroh shows. Oh right. Because uh, it was yeah, Young Frankenstein producers. Um, crazy crazy for, you, for you. Crazy for you and this. So so four of them were her shows. Um, so that was kind of special. Yeah. Um, and then it was funny because then I gave it away to someone in Joplin, and it was their Broadway debut. Oh. Oh wow. Isn't that funny? Yes. Just funny, you know. That's so interesting that someone was their. Broad- I had to choose between two people. And no, maybe it wasn't the Broadway debut. They might have each had one show, but I had to choose between the two, and I chose who I would assume was the more se- more seasoned one, just because of the roles it looked like they had. Oh right. Um, yeah, because I didn't know them. Oh, that's crazy. And nine shows. I mean, yeah, nine shows in twenty-two years. <laughs> and she, they got her for their first sec- for their dogs. second show. Yeah, lucky dogs. So now we're in. You're in something rotten, and you're back at home in your old theater. Uh, and it was like the the Tony Award season is crazy, and the hype and the pressure and all that kind of stuff. And I saw people, and you were on. You were just exhausted. Yeah. How is the whole Tony Award experience and performing on the well, awards? Well, I think for the principals, it definitely is much much harder because they have to you know, really, they were doing all kinds of interviews and whatever. But for us, you know, we sort of enjoyed it. Um, Do I ever enjoy getting up at 5 o'clock to go to the Today Show? (laughs) You know, I'm not an early person. Hence, I work in Broadway shows at night. (laughs) Um, Why do I want to get up early? Um, So that's never fun, but we always sort of made the most of it. We had a blast at The View and the Today Show. and So, yeah, it's, it's exhausting, but you... You know why we're doing it, and we love this show so much. We want to do anything to support it and get the hype going. You know, we had to get, we had to get the hype generated. So yeah, because it's no other way it's, to do that. And it's we an actually, felt lucky to be, get to go. Yeah, know? it's actually an original show. It's yeah. not based on a movie. It's not Un- based, based on, on anything. And that's no book, no so movie. rare. Yeah, you know, and exciting. So you can't base it on anything. No one has any, you know, kind of where to start. Even thinking, what is this about? You know, they don't have any idea. Because it's not based on anything. They didn't and did can't you read do the, the book wor- first. Did you do the workshop as well? I did. The lab? Yeah, the yes. lab. The lab. Oh, now it's a lab. Uh, we did that last October. Oh, okay. So. And then I know. I pe- had no idea what it was about. Talk about anybody else. I had no idea. Except for what Phil Reno sort of told me, you know. And then he said the music is very clever and funny. And now, you know, you listen to those lyrics and. Oh. It's, it's uh, out of this world. And it's, it's great because it's, it's. It's so smart and so whipping you know you gotta you gotta keep on it oh which i love and i and i like that this season ended up being that a lot of shows could be successful because some of the past seasons it felt like there would only be one winner yeah um and this season a lot of things um are thriving and broadway's thriving and it's so different because this show you know it i felt like you're seeing a broadway musical like yeah you walk out of there feeling like this is what you dreamed about being in yeah and it's just fun and you can you like that that whole experience and everyone's great it's so i'm so happy that yeah and like i said i feel like people say they see the show and they go like everybody looks like they really like each other and it's it's a fun group of people and I think that can make or break a show. And I've been lucky enough to not be, I have not been in a clinker cast that I that I know of, or at least I didn't pay attention to those right. people if they were a clinker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember them. No, they just, um, and I think that's what, that's what makes it. That's why you do it. And if you don't want to be that joyful, grateful person, then don't do it. Because 
no one wants to see that. No. And no one wants to be around that, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think that's a... But at the same time, I guess if I... If I had to do it all over again or tell somebody, I, I just... I, I wish there was something else. I wish I had something in my brain, or right. something else that I love to do. I just don't. <laughs> right. Well, you said that one for one time you thought about being an agent. Oh, yes. That was right before the producers. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I interviewed to be an assistant agent at the Abrams Artist, and this lovely woman named Margie interviewed me and said, that I, I interviewed six people today, and you would be my choice, but I don't think you're done. And the reason she said that is I said, I can't tell you that if... Something comes across the desk that says, tall, blonde, alto, that dances, that I wouldn't, my heartstrings wouldn't pull a little bit, Mm. like I said, something to that effect. Right. So that maybe gave her the inclination. She said, you know what? You would be my choice. She said, but call me in a year. And I got the producers, like, in that year. So I never called her back. Oh. Maybe you should call her if you need Maybe. representation, just to be like, <laughs> I, I need an agent. Yeah, right. Um, so I heard a rumor that uh, Casey has a new project that's uh, kind of untitled, but it's about a prom, that um, there's a character that's loosely based on you that's tall, blonde, <laughs> alto. Posse. <laughs> posse, who uh, can dance. Yeah. And the character's name is Angie Schwartz. It, it is. Well, you don't say, I don't say my last name, but it's Angie. The first name is Angie. That's pretty amazing that, you know I mean? If it's, I mean, it's a secret <laughs> developmental project yeah. um, that I heard about, but that's, you know I mean? So we can't go further. But that's just even that alone is pretty amazing. I, well, Casey told me about it when we were on the set of Smash doing one of his other, a day he was directing, a number he was directing. And he's the one that, he's like a kid in a candy store. And he was like, Andy, we know you, we're writing this show and this character's name is Angie Schwar. <laughs> <laughs> That was a couple years ago. I didn't. I didn't know. You know what do you say to that? I, who would write that? Um, and um, yeah, I, uh, I. I don't know. I mean, hopefully it'll all happen. Some right. version of it'll happen. I know there's a. We did a. We did a lab, and another version of something should be happening soon. But I. Um, I thank my lucky stars and keep my fingers crossed that that it all pans out. Did you have to audition to play yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an offer. No, but I did me. say to him, what if I stink? <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't that what uh, Mark Shaman said? Yeah, they did. Before you went on for Ula. They were sitting right here on the stairs, right behind you. And I didn't know they came, and they saw my first performance. Wow, that on Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day, and Mark Shaman tells me to this day, he turned to Scotty, and he said, what if she stinks? Well, you obviously... I don't know. Well, even if they thought I did, they told me I didn't, so... Well, you didn't. Now you're having roles yeah. written yeah. Uh, about well, you. So we'll see. I, um, I do... I, I, I thank that... Yeah, I thank Casey for this gift that I'm staring at, you know, right now. Oh, absolutely. And um, whatever other gifts he wants to give me. <laughs> <laughs> He'll take. So is there any moments uh, that you look back on your... 20, is it 22 or 25 years? It'll be 25 years, February 9th. That you are just something that's so magical that we haven't covered. No, because those were those are my big moments. Those were those were like the big moment was that um, I think I, I think the the producers moment, my Ula moment that the, seeing those boys' faces, I still can see it to this day. Oh yeah. And when the curtain came down after the first act, Matthew, because you know Ula's 
you got the blonde wig and I've got this red dress on and Matthew's like he's like pack your suitcases we're moving to, we're moving to Hollywood <laughs> 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 or something like that it was so cute so they were just so positive and you know I, no one can ever take that away from me no whether I never do another principal role no one can ever take that away from me yeah so that that was the most that was, that was very magical and then I think another and hopefully this will become more magical is getting my contract for the lab of the untitled project, and it says "roll" and it says "Angie" in quotes. <laughs> that would be amazing. I um, I kind of thought I kind of have to keep this contract. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> have it framed and mounted. Whether anything more happens with it, somewhere along the line, that was me. So, um, well, you're an inspiration, and I think that uh, that's why people want to create things for you and have you in your shows because you're fun. And you're well, and you're talented. I, I don't ever think of that, but I um I try I try to have a good time, and I feel um I feel like the longevity of this of this I, I've like I've done a good maintenance, you know I haven't had you know years and years where I didn't have a job. I would go do regional stuff. I feel very lucky that I got to go play roles, even if I couldn't play. You played here. Roxy in Chicago. I did Roxy. I did Vicky Nichols in The Full Monty. I did uh, Lola and Damn Yankees. Um, I did, well, obviously, I we were in the producers of the Muni, which I, I love working at the Muni. I've, so I've gotten to do other other parts. I just did, uh, for the first time, Nikki and Sweet Charity oh. last season, last spring in Salt Lake City. I, and I love that. I love getting to do that, too. So it keeps me, keeps me feeling like I keep my chops wet with the acting and singing. Um, but my bread and butter. <laughs> yes. And my home and my husband are here. So. Absolutely. I love that. And well, I did have a, I did have, I'll, I'll stop talking about it. I did have oh, a no. young boy on the subway just yesterday. And the car wasn't that full. Um, and he was kind of hanging on the pole. And we were getting ready. To, we were 42nd Street. And I kind of had my head down, like, doing something on my phone. And he said, are you Andrew Schwar? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, he, he basically said, I'm a, he said, I'm a big fan. And something to the effect of, I, I can't wait. He was going to go do a tour for some new AMDA students. He said, I can't wait to, to tell him that I met Angie the showgirl or something. It was something to that effect of me just being this showgirl, which I love. Oh. Um, and he was so sweet and cute and young, and his name was Carrie, and he was adorable. I love it. And I love that. I go, oh, people, like, it's sweet. Yeah. I love to inspire people or whatever, you know. Well, you're definitely going to inspire people from this. I don't know about that. <laughs> if we picked one song from all of your credits that I would um, play at the end of your podcast, what would it be? I thought about this, and I thought about because they say your past is depression. They say your future is anxiety. I think it should be something that's right here and right now. So I think it should be Welcome to the Renaissance. Done. Because I feel like it's a joyful number, and I just feel like I'm ready. I'm going to come into a whole new thing now. You know what I mean? So welcome to that. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much. War of the Roses, Chaucer's Tales, the brutal feudal system, holy crusades, bubonic plague, can't say that we've really missed them. So dark and barbaric, so dull and mundane. That was so Middle Ages. That was so Charlemagne. Welcome to the Renaissance with poets, painters, and bon vivants and merry minstrels who show the 
of London are strumming their lutes In puffy pants and pointy leather boots Welcome to the Renaissance Where we ooh and ah you with thumbbeats We're so progressive The latest and the greatest We bring it to you With much ado Welcome to the Renaissance modern flair. See us in our petticoats and farthingales. Our trendy beards we trim to look like swallowtails. We're called Elizabethans. They're all a bunch of heathens. Heathens heading straight for you nowhere. While witches are burning and wars tend to start, we bring you moments of culture and art. Culture and art. Welcome to the Rebirth. 